You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. So, here you are. Too foreign for home, too foreign for here, never enough for both. Ijuoma Umebinyo, Diaspora Blues. What makes you smile and adds a spring to your step? What does it mean to belong? And how do we build a home away from home? Diaspora Blues is a show that contemplates what is and what could be. Join Busto and Bigwa every Monday at 2.30 on 3CR Community Radio. Produced by Yan. Welcome to Diaspora Blues, a 3CR program produced and presented on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Diaspora Blues also airs Tuesdays at 3.30pm on Radio Skidrow. My name is Ayan Shirwa and we are doing it live. It's been a while since I've done a live show, so I'm very nervous. So I hope you can bear with me. On the show this week, we have two incredible young women Ariba and Sajda from the Australian Muslim Women's Centre for Human Rights. But first up, let's get a track. So this is one of my favourite songs. It's by Kian and it's called Better Things. Thank you. 
with better things. 20 Years on the Inside is an iconic new podcast series that gives voice to the experience of First Nations people in the Victorian prison system. 20 Years on the Inside, I'm Vicky Roach. And I'm Kutcher Edwards. This series reflects on 20 years of listening to our mobs on the inside as part of the Beyond the Bars prison broadcast. 20 Years on the Inside is essential listening for anyone looking to educate themselves about the realities of life on the inside and the need to end Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander incarceration. A lot of the boys mentioned about being in jail. What you do really isn't who you are. You know, it's how you love your family, it's how you care about your cousins, and it's how you care about your people. That's what that's what this is about for me. Catch the podcast via the 3CR website or on your favourite podcast app or listen live each Monday at midday. You're listening to Diaspora Blues on 3CR Community Radio. So last week I had the absolute pleasure of speaking with Ariba and Sejda from the Australian Muslim Women's Centre for Human Rights. So that organisation is all about, you know, advancing the rights of Muslim women in Australia. I spoke or they spoke to me about Islamophobia, you know, mental well-being and just the work that they're doing with young people, which is very important. But if there is one thing that I want you to take away from this interview is that Muslim women do not need saving. It's great to have you. We've been trying to make this interview happen for some time now, but we made it. So I'm glad you're here. Uh, before we look at what you do and learn more about your organisation, I'll get you to tell us a bit about yourself. So we'll start with Sajida. My name is Sajida. I'm the Youth Programs Coordinator at Amwicha and I'm also a youth worker at Benevolence Australia. Um, I am uh, 23 years old and I am a third generation Australian and I'm originally Lebanese and Syrian. Um, and I'm just really privileged to be here and um, I want to thank you for having us. Thank you so much. Ariba? Um, so before I begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we um, gather virtually online today and pay my respects to the elders past and present. Um, my name is Ariba and my pronouns are she and her. Um, I'm also a Youth Programs Coordinator at the Australian Muslim Women's Centre for Human Rights and a provisional psychologist by training as well. Um, I was born in Bangladesh and came to Australia in 2003. And I identify, I guess, as a Bangladeshi Indian Australian. (laughs) So both of you, you have very interesting backgrounds in terms of like cultural makeup and just how long you've been in Australia. I guess my next question is, because you're both Muslim, you identify as Muslim, I'm assuming, um, in a society that is very hostile to people like us, um, what are some challenges that you face as a result? And I was wondering, for Sujita, does it make a difference that you are a third generation Australian, whether, you know, you still face those same issues? Yeah, I think my issues probably are a bit different in the sense that 
I, I don't have the issues of like um, migration and learning a language um, and settling into a new country. But the issues that I think I faced as a young Muslim um, and someone who's visibly Muslim because I wear hijab is that it's just kind of like an identity crisis almost that you grow up in a country that you kind of feel like sometimes you don't belong. Um, you grow up with a faith that sometimes <laughs> there's been told that you don't belong either um and so um it's really just been a, a bit of working through my own own identity um and figuring out who I am and what my values are um and where I want to go mm. and is that your experience Ariba I think um I'll probably like to kind of echo what what we do in our group work and just some of the experiences that we all share and what we see. Um, And I have a similar kind of perspective here as well is that young people um, are struggling, I guess, with with culture here and maintaining their values from from back home. So this struggle means, I guess, that they're kind of finding it difficult to cope and spend quality time focusing on themselves and finding the balance between their identity, which I... I can 100% echo as well and I've noticed I guess that there's this cultural assimilation um, which kind of later impacts our performance of being able to adequately cope with work and family and school and friends and uni and it's kind of like a flow-on effect Um, and many I guess with the young people that we work with and that we've encountered there's also a lot of kind of mental health struggles um, and issues, and that that they and that they don't really know that they had things like anxiety and and depression, which haven't been addressed and acknowledged, and it's been happening for so long. I think now it's it's normalized and a severe challenge faced, I guess, um, by young Muslim women in a personal kind of experience that I've had myself as well. So mm. definitely. <laughs> So you've done a really good job, both of you, of describing what the issues are. So in terms of like support systems, in terms of how you manage the stresses, the stresses that come along with these labels. I guess one way that I've always encouraged myself and everyone around me is to really just have open conversations and find someone that you can turn to, whether it's a professional or whether it's someone personal. It's really important to stay grounded, stay motivated, feel supported and most importantly feel connected and you know you can do that through attending groups and attending various different seminars and things of your interest that you particularly enjoy um, and really find those tools and sit with those feelings that you have and acknowledge them. Yeah, I'd probably have to agree. I'd echo that as well. Just having a good support network is really important whether that's family and friends or um, professional I think it's really important and to ensure that you have an outlet, that you're not building up and bottling up your emotions, your feelings, um, negative um, experiences that you may have had, um, and just ensuring that you have people to, to help you and that love you and that care about you and that can support you. Mm, that's good to know. Thank you so much. So let's move to a more positive light, I suppose. Who are some Muslim women, either in your personal lives or outside of your lives, who you gain a lot of strength and inspiration from? As cliche as it is, (laughs) it would probably be my mother. Um, um, My mum is a community worker and an incredible woman and I gain lots of strength um, and purpose, like by admiring the work and what she's done in her life, 
um, and the meaning that she's um, created in her life. Um, I think I gain a lot of strength from that. And just having such a strong foundation, knowing that I've come from such a strong foundation is really inspiring. Definitely my mum. Like hands down, there's no questioning it's my mum because she she did such an incredible job raising three kids and instilled values that we every single one of us still are so proud to hold our head up high and and say that we are proud Indian Bangladeshi Muslim kids um to immigrant parents and the way she did that and still continues to do that for all of us is it's it's mind-boggling and not even I feel like when I'm at her stage and even looking now at her age, she was a mum. I like at my age now, she was a mum. Um, I don't I don't think I could really envision that for myself at all. So I think just how much she has accomplished and achieved, um, got in a, a degree, got in a job with being a mum, I think it's just so beautiful and definitely inspirational for me. So we're going to take a quick break, but we will be back after this community announcement. Health for Profits is a campaign to oppose the Liberal Party's reckless drive to reopen, which threatens the health and safety of Australia's poor, working class and Indigenous communities. We demand an immediate return to a zero COVID elimination strategy before it's too late. Join us for online forums, activism and campaigns. To find out more, follow Health Before Profits Vic on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Health Before Profits is a 3CR supporter. Luciano and Georgia Keats, supported by the Australian Queer Archive, present Queer Ways, retracing Melbourne's queer footprint. Queer Ways is a community art project that maps the queer history of Melbourne, combining our community's stories and voices, past and present, into a permanent, interactive record of being queer in Melbourne. Visit www.queerways.melbourne now to record your story in queer history and explore our city's untold history. Queer Ways, a 3CR supporter. Welcome back. You are listening to Diaspora Blues, a 3CR radio program that also airs on Radio Skid Row, Tuesdays at 3.30pm. And of course, we've got to give a huge shout out to Raul, who is the program coordinator down in Radio Skid Row, who plays all of our shows. I really appreciate everything you've done for us. Before the break, I was chatting with Ariba and Sajda from the Australian Muslim Women Centre for Human Rights about their advocacy work and the challenges they face as young Muslim women. In this next half of the interview, Ariba and Sajda discuss the Our Place podcast and share their lockdown reflections. You both host a podcast that just released its final episode, sadly, so... (laughs) It's called Our Place Podcast. So for people who want to go back and listen to um, some of the old episodes, what can they expect to hear? It's a really good question and definitely a project that we're both so proud of. Um, So the Our Place, really what it was aiming to do was reducing a sense of loneliness and building connection amongst young Muslim women. And the podcast topics that we chose were really, we were wanting to kind of 
destigmatize, I think, taboo topics. That's what it was. And and we spoke about a plethora of different things ranging from sexual health with speakers um, that are actually really well qualified in that and giving us knowledge and education around that um, all the way down to, I think, just social isolation and loneliness and sorry, this is triggering, but also suicidal ideation and thoughts. So we had a, a range of mental health topics um, on there and up there with various different speakers from various different backgrounds and, and experiences. So Sajda, do you have any, any reflections on the podcast or anything that jumped out at you? Because as Ariba mentioned, you've interviewed people from different backgrounds and experiences, but were there some things that made you go, hmm, this is quite interesting? Um, I wish, and I wish I could take the credit of hosting Our Place, but I cannot. Ariba was the mastermind behind it um, and who created and um, carried out all the interviews. So she did a wonderful job. But listening to, to, the, to, the, um, to some of the podcasts, there was actually one that did stand out to me. And I actually found it quite interesting because um, Ariba, correct me her name, she was the sexual health specialist from the States. Samira, yes. Samira, yeah. Samira was really wonderful. I really admired the way she spoke about, was really open about um, these topics while still being very culturally almost sensitive to, to the fact that, you know, for many people that are listening, maybe coming from a faith background or may not be, um, but I really just love what she was saying, how she was presenting it, um, and I follow her on Instagram. I think she was a wonderful speaker. Um, but overall, I wish um, I, I, yeah, I wish I could say that I was there to interview every single person, but I wasn't. Um, but yeah, she definitely stood out to me. I mean, you obviously know this, but I feel like I have to say this. The conversations are so valuable and so important. And we haven't had many podcasts, well, at least none that come to my mind, where it's by Muslims, for Muslims, yeah, and, and talks about issues in a way that's also culturally sensitive. Absolutely. And it's just about holding space. That's what the Our Place podcast was about for someone that was a listener. For me, it felt like it's just about holding space for those really important conversations that need to be had that often aren't being had. Anti-racism consultation. Tell us about this initiative. Yeah, so the anti-racism consultation um, is a program that has just come to light. Um, It's really about helping young Muslim women identify um, what racism is and how to navigate and recover from their experiences of Islamophobia and racism. Um, So we are just in the the midst of our consultation process, which is really exciting, which we have sat down with a wonderful group of women to really learn about their experiences um, and stories with racism and Islamophobia Um, and then we will hopefully create that into a really meaningful and impactful program which will um, navigate kind of the really um, sensitive topics, sensitive areas when it comes to racism and Islamophobia and it's really important for the program to really address the crux the crux of the issues that we're facing in our communities um, and that's this is why it's so important we don't want to run a program that's you know on face value we run around we want to run a really meaningful program um, which can create meaningful change within the Muslim community so that's racism within both the Muslim community and within the wider community. So what's next what's next for 
the Australian Muslim Women's Centre for Human Rights, the Youth Department. What's next on your agenda? I think the better question to ask is what is it next? I feel like we're doing, exactly. <laughs> we have so much on the table and, and, and to offer our community um, to really, you know, hone in and build on their self-esteem and confidence through facilitating, I guess, safe, safe spaces where women share, learn and grow with each other. I think that's what's really important to just foster a sense of community. And what's next is a plethora of programs. Okay, where do I begin? One of them being, I think, we were doing a women's leadership program where we're honing in on building financial literacy um, and goal settings for young women and providing them like adequate tools and support to move forward and plan out their life and what it is that they see themselves be in the future. And, you know, these women are the future and agents of change for themselves and their communities. And it's so important, I think, that that we create that space, like Satch says, where, where they learn and grow together. So that's next, I guess, one of the bigger, bigger projects that's next mm-hmm. with, with a few small ones that are already in existence. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you also have an Instagram live conversation next week tell us about that what do you plan to talk about (laughs) that's so funny because Saj and I were messaging each other and we were like oh my god what are we talking about (laughs) (laughs) um no but I think it's going to be like a very um I guess jam-packed live where we speak about you know just what's been going on for us and our kind of holistic mental health and well-being and what we're doing to look after ourselves during this time. Before I let you go, because I understand we're all short for time, COVID reflections. What's it been like in lockdown, actually? I was going to say, what's it been like having COVID? But (laughs) what's it been like in lockdown? Any reflections? How are you, yeah, coping? COVID reflections for me, ironically, you sometimes need someone to tell, say it to your face, uh, like some of the the positives and the strengths and the good things that COVID has brought out. Um, I teach at like a weekend school in a youth group and I was asking like these year eights to 10 saying, you know, what is the strength of COVID? What's brought out? And every single one of them will pull out a strength. And I was like, wow, like this is this young group of people who can say one thing that they've gained throughout these last two years. And so it made me reflect on the fact that for me, even though in the moment last year and this year, especially last year, I thought, you know, this is one of the hardest years and it has been for lots of people, including I'm sure all of us in regards to our mental health, in regards to seeing our families and loved ones and just life in general. Um, I came out this year saying that was one of the best years of my life because I had so much growth. I learned so much about myself. I had such so much more time with myself to be introspective, to look within, um, to look at the things that are important to me and really hold them close. And for me, that was learning that my family, people that I love are the most important to me. Um, but yeah, I think it gave me time with myself. Um, mm. It's easy to say that now though, because we're <laughs> out of it. We're out of last year. Um, and I'm sure next year I'll have another reflection of this year, but um, yeah, that's probably been my reflection. Yeah, hindsight is interesting, but I can definitely testify to the whole learning about your strengths. There's a lot I learned about myself, also my weaknesses, you know, um, places where I need to maybe work on or things that I understand um, I need support with. So, and as you said, it's things that I'm only learning about now and not while it was happening. 
Um, what about you, Ariba? Any any thoughts? I think similar to what both of you were saying, I think it brought out a lot. When now reflecting on it, I think the two biggest things would definitely be patience and a sense of gratitude, I think, for those around me. Um, just really being able to, you're, I mean, like you're with your family 24-7. I, I used to think of that moment, I used to lose my mind, actually. And now I think I settling in and just putting it all into perspective it's probably been the most beautiful moments because we've learned a lot about each other and I've learned a lot about myself. I hope you enjoyed that conversation you can follow Ariba and Sajstar via their Instagram page at amwchr underscore youth that is amwchr underscore youth their podcast, Our Place, which is really, really great, is available on most listening apps. To learn more about the Australian Muslim Women's Centre for Human Rights, visit amwchr.org.au. I'm Tara Sultana and you are listening to 3CR. Please subscribe. Do yourselves a massive favour. Thank you very much. And that is all from us. I need to get out before Paul Factor steps in. Um, I hope you enjoyed everyone that we spoke to. You can listen back to this episode and all of our previous episodes via our 3CR page. To do that, head over to 3cr.org.au slash Diaspora Blues. We're also on Instagram. We don't post often, but there are some interesting things that we do share. To follow us and to check us out, head over to our handle, which is, so what is it again? 3CR underscore diaspora blues it's not funny honestly it is definitely not funny um so we're going to leave you with another track by kian it's called man on the moon easy than believing so remember that in me i have an eggshell
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.